0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for May 30th, 2021. The first Sunday after Pentecost, Trinity Sunday. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. There's a story told by Edwina Gately, a teacher and HIV counselor who worked on the streets of Chicago with women living at the very margins of society. The story goes something like this. Once upon a time, we captured God, and we put God in a box, and we put a beautiful velvet curtain around the box. We placed candles and flowers around the box, and we said to the poor and the dispossessed, come, come and see what we have, come and see God. And they knelt before the God in the box. One day, very long ago, The spirit in the box turned the key from the inside and pushed it open. She said to herself, I'm getting out. And the spirit shot out of the box. She escaped, but she has been seen a few times since then. There are some things that just can't be put in a box that we try mightily to keep them there, our children, our friends, our siblings, whole races and classes of people, and most of all, the divine, the cosmic mystery of God. As Jesus says to Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit, the wind blows where it chooses. We can hear the sound of it, but we do not know where it comes from or where it goes. We can't box up the Holy Spirit any more than we can box up the wind. Our work is to pay attention, to notice when the wind of the Spirit is blowing, and to listen for its sound, because we just might hear God speaking to us. We just might find that the answers really are blowing in that wind, to borrow from Bob Dylan, who turned 80 last week. This is Trinity Sunday, It is the only feast day on our calendar that celebrates a doctrine and not an event in our sacred history. At Yale, I took a course in the philosophy department with the great, now late theologian and philosopher, Marilyn Adams, called the Metaphysics of Christology. That was just to wake everybody up. In this course, we had to write a single paper explaining in coherent metaphysical terms Those phrases that are so familiar to us from our creedal formulas. How can Jesus be fully divine and fully human at the same time and of one substance with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and one with them and at the same time not the Father and not the Holy Spirit. It is no wonder that in the church we turn to singing holy 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 on this of all days. Those three words are really all that can be said about the Holy Trinity with accuracy and anything close to coherence. The church, human institution that it is, with all its human tendencies, has from the very beginning sought to make doctrines out of the things we can't begin to fully comprehend with our mental faculties. The Holy Trinity is one that will never be contained in a box of church doctrine. The doctrine certainly served its purpose in the third and fourth centuries, to shore up the church against the heresy of polytheism, but the living God whom we experience is present to us in multitudinous ways. God is beyond us, and yet we experience God among us and within us, too. In the words of Nicodemus, how can these things be? The universe is said to be 14.6 billion years old. The Earth wasn't formed until 10 billion years later. There are countless galaxies and solar systems beyond our own. In terms of human life, we arrived a nanosecond ago into this cosmos. God is beyond us, and yet we experience God among us and within us. In the words of Nicodemus again, how can these things be? Jesus, who was born, lived, and died in his human body, was raised to dwell among us as the cosmic Christ, the living word and wisdom and love of God that has always been and always will be in and through and underneath and over everything. His Holy Spirit that dwells within us is not a doctrine, but an experience, a verb, the flow of creative, life-giving love that permeates and infuses everything and everyone and continues to evolve the universe and us along with it. Brother Martin Smith rephrased the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit language into God beyond us and among us and within us. I would propose that we rechristen the Trinity as, not as a doctrine, but as a metaphor for God, who is spirit in motion, creating and recreating all the time, the Father beyond us, pouring into the sun among us, the earth and all stars, pouring into the spirit within us and uniting and calling everything back to God beyond us. We can go with that flow and participate in it or work against it to our own demise. It's not a force to fight against but a presence of love to relax into, and fall in love with, and get swept up by. To to be reborn of the spirit is to surrender and consent to the direction the spirit wind blows. The wind blows where it chooses. We hear the sound of it, but we do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So Jesus explains the spirit of God to Nicodemus who has come to Jesus with big questions. The story of Nicodemus is one of my favorites in the Bible, probably because there is a little Nicodemus in all of us that asks at different times throughout our lives, how can these things be? He's just a man wanting to understand the incomprehensible. Today's gospel is only the first scene of a Nicodemus trilogy. He appears three times in John and it is his only face-to-face encounter with Jesus. In this scene, he has come to Jesus at night. He is in the dark, both literally and figuratively. He has come to question the good teacher in secret, not wanting his search for the larger truths to be seen by his colleagues and friends. Jesus is becoming known throughout the land as a great teacher and healer. The wisdom Jesus imparts and the stories spreading about him are suddenly making some of Nicodemus's certainties feel uncertain. He himself is a teacher of the Jews, a Pharisee, a learned man. But born again, born from above, born from water and spirit, how can these things be? Nicodemus' boxed up world is being broken open. He leaves his conversation with Jesus even more uncertain. But you might say the winds of change are beginning to blow for Nicodemus. By the second time the Gospel of John talks about him, several chapters later, it isn't dark at all. It's high noon. And Nicodemus is at work with his colleagues in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court of law. And he goes out on a limb to defend Jesus' right to be heard before they put him on trial. He's beginning to feel the breeze of the Holy Spirit's wind. And at the end of John's Gospel, Nicodemus appears a third time, and we find him giving Jesus a royal burial, for which he has brought an excessive amount of costly spices. And that darkest moment for Jesus is a moment of brightest light for Nicodemus, for this formal gesture is unbridled evidence that Nicodemus has come to see Jesus as the personified wisdom of God that he is, and not the criminal his crucifixion would make him out to be. Notably, perhaps, Nicodemus never returns to that conversation he first had with Jesus. He no longer needs to work out the metaphysics of how one can be born after growing old. Instead, he offers a gesture of love and devotion. He has caught a second wind, so to speak, a wind of the spirit that cannot be contained. In Tintern Abbey, William Wordsworth wrote, I have felt a presence that disturbs me with joy, joy of elevated thoughts, a sense of sublime, of something far more deeply interfused, whose dwelling is the light of setting suns and the round ocean of the living air and the blue sky and in the mind of man, emotion, and a spirit that impels all thinking things, all objects of all thoughts, and rolls through all things. The spirit is not something to be boxed up and understood, but something to be lived, something to be open to, something to be experienced like the wind at your back or the breeze on your face. Or at times, the hurricane that demands a reordering of our lives and our boxed and labeled ways. It's that presence that disturbs you with the joy of elevated thoughts, or something far more deeply interfused, as Wordsworth says. When your conscience is piqued for the cause of justice, or when your heart breaks in pain, or swells in love, or skips a beat when you know you're seeing something new and true for the first time, In those moments, we know we are alive, and the Spirit is upon us, and we are compelled to respond. The Spirit, after all, what the poetic writers of the Bible called the Word, the breath and the wisdom of God that is with God from the very beginning, before all things began, that is the life force that is breathed into creation. Jesus promised his disciples he would send them this Holy Spirit, that same breath wisdom, wind of God as a helper and advocate for us. When the disciples received this spirit for themselves, it was like the rush of a violent wind, not a church doctrine. And the rush of that wind blew them out of their room, and they went out emboldened to change the world with the way of love Jesus had taught them. Can you hear the sound of the wind in your life? May it rush in to release you from whatever box is keeping you closed up and trapped inside. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, may the wind of your presence roll through our lives and disturb us with joy. Find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.